To many in the churches today, the subject of witchcraft is an unheard of thing. They have no idea that they see it all around them and that they may even be doing it. Thus is the purpose of this podcast to open our eyes to the subject of witchcraft. Witchcraft is listed by Paul as one of the works of the flesh. And Paul says about this that they who do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So, of course, we want to be certain that we're not doing these things unknowingly. What is witchcraft? It's a form of superstition whereby the person thinks he can do something and cause something to happen according to his own will. I see it all the time in sporting events. I've seen both football and basketball fans do little hand signals. When the opponents get the ball, it's sort of like it curses the opponent. And in mass, all these people are doing these little things with their fingers as if they have some kind of power. I hear it all the time in professional football as well as college football when their team is named Chiefs or Redskins or Seminoles as they chant to try to do some type of Indian superstition over the opponent. I used to be in the Indian arts business in Dallas before I was born again. There are all types of little images on the Indian art objects, on the jewelry, on the pottery, on the rugs. Many are attached to Indian superstitions, and there are people who look for these powers. I had a man come into my house after I was born, into my shop after I was born again, and he was looking for something that would bring power in the Indian art objects. I said to him, there is a power, but the power is of God. And I gave him one of those little booklets for spiritual laws, which I always kept in my business to give away. There are many people who practice superstitions, and you might have even been in a football crowd when you did this and not even thinking of what you were doing. This is to awaken you. We had a shocking thing happen in February 2012. It involved a house in Texas, which we have up for sale. It's a house I lived in before I moved to Colorado. The realtor told Pam Paget, who works with me, this story. There's a Catholic woman who is one of the realtors. And she went over to the house and buried some type of image in the flower bed and did some kind of prayer over the house that it would sell. As soon as Pam found out about this, she said, Oh, no, no, that is, that's wrong. That's evil. When I first heard about it, when Pam told me about it, 
I thought she sat a little statue out in the flower bed, and I saw that as idolatry. But it is really much darker and worse than that. This woman buried some kind of image in the flower bed, buried it. When I learned she buried it, I said, that's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. Of course, the realtor, when she heard that it was evil, she didn't know. She said, oh, I've been a Methodist all my life, and I had no idea this was something evil. And I'm sure she didn't. She said, I'll never do something like that again. She went over and removed it immediately. Not that the thing has any power. It has no power. Though Their gods have no power. It's our God who has power. But we don't want to participate in it. As Christians, we don't participate in these evil things. I looked up witchcraft in uh, my... Uh, Bible, uh, online Bible, and I found some scriptures about witchcraft. Let's go over those scriptures. In 2 Kings 9.22, Jehu was speaking about Jezebel. Jezebel was one of the most evil women in the whole Bible. She was the wife of King Ahab. And she was so evil. And this Jehu, who is now king, says, What peace so long as the whoredoms of thy mother Jezebel and her witchcrafts are so many. In Second Kings 33, verses 1 and 2, Manasseh is king, and he was 12 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 50 and 5 years in Jerusalem. He was the king of Judah. But that which he did was evil in the sight of the Lord, like unto the abominations of the heathens, whom the Lord has cast out before the children of Israel. And he, Manasseh, caused his children to pass through the fire in the valley of the son of Hinnom. Also he observed times and used enchantments and used witchcrafts and dealt with a familiar spirit and with wizards. He also wrought much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke God to anger. So Manasseh made Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen, whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. Now we expect the world to do these things. But to have someone who is a child of God or says they're a child of God do them is horrible. Not only do they do these evil things, they lead other less knowing people to do them. That's awful. In Micah chapter 5 verses 12 through 15, God says, And I will cut off witchcrafts out of thine hand, and thou shalt have no more soothsayers. 
Thy graven images also will I cut off, and thy standing images out of the midst of thee. And thou shalt no more worship the work of thine hands. When I read things like this passage of scripture, I, I think of those people who win the Super Bowl and kiss the trophy, kissing their idol. I just shudder when I see a football player kissing that trophy. You see it in golf, too, and I'm sure they do it in basketball. They don't know any better, but that doesn't mean that justifies them. This is an awful thing. We certainly don't want to partake of their evil deeds. Continuing with this scripture in Micah, verse 14, God says, And I will pluck up thy groves out of the midst of thee, so will I destroy thy cities. And I will execute vengeance in anger and fury upon the heathen, such as they have not heard. What do you think the great tribulation is going to be? And that's not going to come just on the people of this world. I believe every Christian who follows Scripture and straightens their life out by Scripture will be taken out before the Great Tribulation, but I don't believe any of these church people who are worshiping idols in their church. They're worshiping crosses. They're worshiping molten images often. They're crossing themselves. They're doing all manner of things which are not in the New Testament Bible. I don't believe they'll be taken out before the Great Tribulation. You don't want to be a part of this. You do not want to be in there with them in these churches where they're doing things opposite to Scripture. For example, Matthew chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus says, The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. In the churches, they're approving divorced for men to marry divorced women. I, my best friend, when I was born again, uh, had been married, and she didn't tell anyone she'd been married. She went to a church in Dallas and wanted to remarry. She met a man and did marry him. Later, after I found out Donna had been married, I asked Hal, would you have married her if you'd known she was divorced? He thought about it and said, no, I don't think I would. But see, she kept it a secret because at that time, back in the 60s, it was still being taught in the churches. Well, it, it, the Bible hasn't changed, not one bit. The churches have changed. The churches have removed these scriptures from the Bible, that, these scriptures that will offend people. I went to a luncheon at Texas Tech. They seated me next to a man who was wearing the biggest cross I have ever seen. He said, I'm former pastor of Indiana Street Baptist Church. Oh, and we have such a problem at the church. Everybody at the table was listening to him. He said, we have such a problem at the church. We just can't seat all the people who are trying to come to church. We have added on to the church two or three times, and we still can't seat all the people who are coming to church. 
I said to him, If you would teach what Jesus says in Matthew 5.32, that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, about one half of those people in your group would get up and leave, and you won't have any more trouble seating the people who come to your church if you teach what Jesus said. His mouth fell open. I just fled. I was not going to stay in a situation where this man was. In Nahum chapter 3, verse 4, they speak of witchcrafts. Because of the multitude of the whoredoms of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts, that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcrafts, behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will discover thy skirts upon thy face. And I will show the nations thy nakedness, and the kingdoms thy shame. And I will cast abominable filth upon thee, and make thee vile, and will set thee as a gazing stock. The Apostle Paul spoke of witchcrafts. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, witchcraft is not something that just happened back there centuries ago. As I told you at the beginning of this broadcast, I've seen it in football and basketball games several times recently. Recently. I've seen them try to curse the other team with hand signals. I've heard the chanting that the Kansas City Chiefs do, that the Washington Redskins fans do, that the Florida State Seminole fans do. I can't stand it. Every time I hear it on television, I have to cut the sound off because I know it's one of those Indian superstitions where they are trying to do some form of witchcraft. Even if they don't know, I know. I know what it is, and I can't stand it. So don't think for one second that witchcraft is just something that happened in the days of the Old Testament. Paul is going to talk about it in Galatians chapter 5. Verses 19 through 21. The Apostle Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Unless you repent and turn from them and confess them as evil, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Witchcraft is basically superstitions. Joining the group in their superstitions. That's witchcraft. When you do that, you don't show Jesus as Lord. You show a hidden power as being your God. 
don't do it. Turn from it. Denounce it in the sense that you will not participate. I have been at dinners with people in the evenings and had the people raise their drink glasses to click them together. I don't do that. I'm not participating in these pagan things with these heathens. I'm not going to say, I wish you well, with no telling what evil they're going to go out to uh, commit. I often think about this. You drive up to the bank and you make a deposit and they say, have a good day. They're wishing me well. I'm not going to wish you well when I don't know what you're like. I don't want to be partakers of your evil deeds. We are warned about doing that. Don't be partakers with them of their evil deeds because that makes you evil. I don't wish anybody well unless I know what the person is. To me, the difference between idolatry and witchcraft is idolatry would be things like setting up crosses and kind of falling down in front of wooden crosses. To me, witchcraft is doing very dark things like burying an idol, a little statue. You bury the statue in the ground and do things above it. I think that is so dark and evil. It reminds me of movies where I have seen witchcraft in various countries like Jamaica, South America. We have it in the United States. Don't think for a second it's not here. It's in football games. So wake up. Don't join them and participate with them. They have no power. But the problem is it can cause you to lose your relationship with God. You think it can't? You're not going to inherit the kingdom of God doing these things, says Paul, to the New Testament church. So you may have been doing it in innocence. You may not have known. Think about what you're doing as a Christian. Think about it. Examine it. So many of these things are pagan traditions. And men hold tradition very sacred. Lots of times they deny God because of their traditions of men. In Mark we read that. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus was speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, the, tr the religious men of his time. He says, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you, you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. Laying aside the commandment of God. And that's exactly what we see today in churches. They take scriptures that are unpopular and they don't speak those scriptures and sometimes they even figure out doctrines which are counter, opposite to those scriptures. This is Antichrist in the church today when that happens. And they do it 
so that they can please men and get a lot of people to come to their churches. He says, Full well, ye reject the commandment of God that ye may keep your own tradition. I see many forms of superstition in sporting events. When I think about, sometimes they'll show the football players as they're coming on the field from the stadium um, dressing rooms, and there will be a statue there that they reach up and pat on the head before they run through the tunnel onto the field. Things like that. Those are superstitions that real Christians cannot participate in. It's all around you. Black-eyed peas on New Year's Day in the United States is one of those superstitions. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're saying. When I moved to Clovis, New Mexico, a couple of the Baptist women were going out on Memorial Day to decorate graves. And I said, what are you doing? You're Christians. You're going to go out there and testify by your actions to the fact that someone is dead? We believe in the resurrection. What are you doing? A pagan act such as this? Think about what you're doing. Well, I know God can open your eyes to recognizing various witchcrafts and idolatry. And I certainly pray for those of you who are born again listening to this broadcast, I pray that God will open your eyes to these evils so that you will not participate with the world in testifying to the evil of the world in the churches. For it is going to be a fearful fate that befalls those who do this. Let me close with one other passage of scripture. It is in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And it tells the fate of all the people who reject truth in order to go with their churches in a way opposite to Bible. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. First, start at verse 3. Some of you have been in church groups where they've said, Who is Antichrist? When I was born again, the church group I was attending brought up the subject, and I said, Well, what's Antichrist? I didn't have any idea what they were talking about. And they kind of explained it to me. And then one of them said, We think it's Henry Kissinger. This is crazy. This is crazy. Another one, back in the days of Napoleon, the the uh, Russians thought Napoleon was the Antichrist. Antichrist comes through the churches. Paul tells us that in this verse of Scripture, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day of the Lord shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God 
sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. First place, there has to be a falling away in the churches. It's going to be a falling away. Churches will fall away from Scripture. It's not that people will leave the churches. It's that the churches leave the Scriptures. Just like the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. They put that Scripture aside. I have never heard that taught in any church that I have ever attended. That's the falling away. Churches leaving the Scripture. And the fact that they removed the Scripture allowed Antichrist to move in to the church group. The Scripture was the only thing holding Antichrist back from the church group. Once the Scripture was removed in part, Antichrist could move in. He sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This was coming through the churches. Then Paul says what will happen to those who love their churches more than they love the word of God. And they sit there in those churches where the scriptures have been removed in part. Paul says starting in verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved, and for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. There was a time I was talking to a woman in the faith movement and I used to be in that movement too. I was talking to her and she was just oh, wide-eyed with living in fantasy. I said, Lily, take the Bible and read aloud to me in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. She started reading and said, Because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved, for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. God shall send them strong delusion. I said, exactly. Exactly. Wake up. And it says that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You want, do you really want to cling to that church group that has cast aside scripture? This is your fate. This is your fate if you do. I've had to leave many church groups in my life because I heard them speaking things that weren't true. In one church group, uh, the pastor was teaching about uh, Sarah and Hagar. And he said, they were half-sisters. Well, I'd never read that in the Bible. I went home and tried to find it. I read all the scriptures about Sarah and Hagar. It's not in the Bible. I called the pastor the next day. And I simply said, I cannot find this in the Bible, that they were half-sisters. Where is it? I wasn't challenging him. I was really seeking the truth. But there are lots of things that might be in the Bible that I wouldn't know, and I wanted to find it. That's how much I care about truth. You better care about truth. 
The pastor said to me, well, I can't remember where it is. I said, well, it's just very important for me to know where this is, so would you please look it up and tell your secretary and ask her to call me and tell me where it is? He was very silent for a few seconds, and then he said, all right, it's not in the Bible. But he didn't repent. He didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry. I got that wrong. I would have accepted that. But no, he didn't repent. Why? He's Antichrist. That man was Antichrist. One of the many Antichrist. You see, it's not one Antichrist any more than it's one devil. It's not that there's one man on earth that has the devil in him. Many have the devil. Many in the churches have antichrist in them they've given themselves over to corruption of the scripture and perversion of the scripture the apostle john told us this we must look at this one other scripture before we close to see what the apostle john said first john chapter 2 i believe it's verse 18 it is verse 18 The Apostle John said, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. Even in the day of John, there were many Antichrists 2,000 years ago. Those Antichrists come into the churches. Paul warned them that after his departing, as soon as he departed, Paul said, I know that there are among you those that will come in speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. That's in Acts chapter 20. These people, these apostles knew this was going to happen. It's been 2,000 years, so how could it be that long? Because Peter explains to us that in the sight of God, one day is as a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years as one day because God doesn't reckon time as we see time. That is in 1 Peter chapter 3. So Antichrist is already here working in the churches. And how can you recognize it? If you know the New Testament Bible and your church is doing something opposite to the New Testament Bible, that's Antichrist. Can you get them to change? You can try if you want to. I've spoken to many pastors who were speaking lies, and I've never seen one yet who expressed any sorrow whatsoever for his perversion of scripture. So I just haven't been able to go back to that church. There just isn't any way to deal with it. This is Joan Boney speaking. I have written all these scriptures out for you, or will, as soon as I finish recording this. I will write all the scriptures out for you, 
And you can see everything that I've spoken in writing if you will go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations, on the home page, on the right-hand side, it says Podcast Recordings and Scriptures. You can hear the recording again if you wish to do so and read the scriptures. Again, the name of our blog is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.